Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we check in on this week's press conferences from both teams as they prepare for Sunday night following the bye week. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the Week 7 win over the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, beyond the, the team erasing a 10-point deficit to beat their opponents by 21 points, that, that, that's, uh, that was a pretty splendid thing. Uh, remarkable, in fact. But we've seen it from this team before, right? They're the kind of the comeback kids, or at least a portion of this team. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, some of these new pieces come in and buy in and really believe that, you know, no matter how much we're down by, like, we can still come back. We have the the players, the uh, the talent and the ability to do so. But, I mean, for me, this was the best possible way to go into the bye week because, you were able to see what this team can be when they're performing at their best, but it also showed you how costly things can be when, you know, when players don't execute. Like uh, Sky Moore, he was he was kind of at the center of the two biggest errors in this game, uh, a muff punt, and then, you know, he ran his route at the wrong depth on Mahomes' interception. He was expecting kind of a, a sharper route, and he kind of... Um, you know, ran like a, a a bit of an arc uh, instead of that that sharper in cutting route. And um, but you know, I mean, on the flip side, you see as this game progressed, guys didn't finger point, they didn't wallow, they just kept working. And um, I think that'll give this team quite a bit of confidence heading into the bye week and and you know heading into this this next game against the Titans in Week Nine because. You know, if you can build on that type of performance, build on the things that worked, the success that you saw in the passing game, um, I, I think you're you're really going to be able to kind of hit your stride um, and, and rip off a couple wins in a row here uh, if you can build on that. And it, it's a big if because the bye week, you know, it can be a, a <laughs> it can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing. Now you're coming up, you're playing a physical opponent in the Titans, one that has had a lot of success against you uh, since 2013. I think the Chiefs have only won two games against the Titans since 2013. So now one of those was, you know, one of the biggest games they've played in, the AFC title game back in 2019-20, uh, uh, when, when they went, you know, on the Super Bowl uh, 54 run. But... You know that um, that that game can be it can be um, can be a burden, but it can also be a boon to this team. Uh, it, it's just really how they're going to pick things up after the bye week. Whether they're going to be able to kind of address some of the issues and you know 
keep uh, emphasizing some of the good things, some of the bad things. Do you believe the Chiefs did enough at the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's not like the Chiefs didn't try to go out and uh, and trade for an edge rusher. At the end of the day, the only player that that moved the needle who was traded came from an AFC West rival, and you know the Chiefs had no shot at, at getting in on that at a reasonable pro- reasonable price. And um, you know, no, I I mean Brett Brett Veach wasn't going to go out and pay two first-round picks for, or more, probably more, for Brian Burns because they had that offer on the table for him. And, and the Jaguars really didn't have any desire to deal uh, Josh Allen, the other like, top edge rusher whose name was mentioned at the deadline. Then you look at some of kind of like that second tier, maybe some of those veteran guys who are like, hey, like, give me a chance to go on a winning team. Well, the Texans weren't going to let Jerry Hughes go because he's from the Houston area. He wanted to play for you know, his hometown team play in front of his family. That was the whole reason he went there. So they weren't going to turn around and trade him, you know, against his wishes uh, just to, to try and get something going there. Um, and, and, you know, there, he's someone they view as, you know, maybe maybe beyond this year, he's, he's uh, someone who comes back and helps kind of flip things around for that franchise. So... It, it's not like the Chiefs didn't um, try and like go out and, and and make a concerted effort to improve their pass rush. That was a priority, something they were calling around about and working on. There just wasn't anything available for them, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, maybe down the line that turns out being uh, uh, fortunately instead of unfortunately. But right now, you know, obviously fans are kind of frustrated. They wanted to see defensive improvements at the deadline. And that's reasonable. But uh, I, I think you have to kind of just take in that whole picture and understand that there really wasn't anything else to, to do or get done. Now, I'm pretty happy, I think, with the decision to go out and get Kadarius Tony from the Giants because, I mean, the kid has immense talent. And if anyone can harness that and, and direct it and get him focused, it's Andy Reid. Because he's dealt with some unique players and personalities in the past. I mean, from as recently as Tyree Kill to, you know, T.O. and, um, you know, guys back on, on the Eagles teams. But, um, you know, he always seems to get the best out of these uh, unique personalities and characters. So, I mean, it's a move that, that doesn't just make sense for 2022. You know, give this this team a little life, a little juice um, in, in the receiving game, some, some extra depth there as well. But also in the future, just because of, you know, the next two seasons, how affordable his contract is, and then you've got the fifth-year option. With how the wide receiver market has exploded, this kind of protects you from having to go out and spend a bunch of money to keep someone um, like a Mecole Hardman, like a Juju Smith-Schuster, as much as you'd want to keep those players. But, you know, now you have a guy there who you can feel kind of comfortable about thinking, okay, well, if I can't afford to, to make this move in free agency, I, I have another I have another option. Um, and now, as for the decision to trade Rashad Fenton to the Falcons, I mean, it makes sense from the player's perspective and the team's perspective. I think fans are looking at it like, why are you trading cornerback death? But he he's, he's in a contract year, right? So he wants to be playing. But Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams... It, they frankly outplayed him this year. I, I don't know if it was, you know, from him coming back from that injury this offseason or what, um, but but he struggled at times this year, uh, a little too handsy um, down the field and whatnot. And then, you know, with Trent McDuffie coming back, 
you know, Fenton's going to be like your fifth corner. He's going to be the fifth guy. You know, he's not even going to be the fourth guy. So the Chiefs trade the Chiefs they trade him for a conditional pick, which we don't know the conditions surrounding that pick pick yet. So you know, maybe those are are good, maybe they're bad. We'll see. And, and they get nearly one point five million in salary cap relief, which you know that's that's necessary, that's needed. Um, will help give them some flexibility moving forward as well. Uh, and we'll just kind of see uh, w- what happens there um, in, in terms of the draft pick. But, like, if he's not playing and, you know, some team's going to try to steal him in free agency next year, the Chiefs weren't going to re-sign him. He wasn't in their future plans. Like, you're, you're, you're very unlikely to get a compensatory pick for him that is going to be like a third-round pick if he's not playing right now. Now, if he comes out and he's playing for your team and he's playing great, great. But, um, you know, getting that conditional seventh rounder, assuming that they meet the conditions um, and they get that pick, I mean, you can turn that pick into another Jalen Watson or an Isaiah Pacheco or or, or what have you. So that, um, that can be valuable for the team as well down the line. So, I mean, overall, I think, you know, for as active as the Chiefs were at the deadline, there's no reason to be disappointed in what happened. Um, I, I, I think, you know, if you look at it with the proper perspective, they did everything they possibly could to improve this team. Uh, and, and, you know, for the future and for the, the interim at the deadline. Which Chiefs player was a pleasant surprise during the first half of the season? Well, uh, I can I list a couple? Ed, I'm going to list a couple. Um, I'm going to start with... Colin Saunders, uh, defensive tackle, former uh, uh, Western Western Illinois. He played at Western Illinois, right? Um, but to, to this point in his career, he hadn't received many opportunities. Some of that was due to injury. Uh, other times it was due to roster depth. But, I mean, he has taken full advantage this year. He's taken up a leadership role uh, in the D-line room with Joe Cullen uh, really taking to you know his energy and his style. He's emerged as a threat uh, rushing the passer. But also in the run game as well. Um, and, man, he shows effort, just tremendous effort on every play. And really going into the season, I wasn't expecting much here, uh, just given what we'd seen in the past. But, I mean, he's definitely been the definition of a pleasant surprise. Um, as far as the rookies are concerned, I, I think it's got to be Jalen Watson, right? I mean, seventh-round draft pick. He went from the coaching staff saying that he didn't practice fast during training camp and the preseason to basically single-handedly winning an AFC West game, which was, what, his first start um, with the 99-yard pick six. Uh, and he's been really solid in every game since. So I, I think he would probably have to be my biggest pleasant surprise in terms of a rookie. And then on offense, I, I probably – you got to go with Juju, uh, I think. He, he looks like a true uh, wide receiver one. And, I mean, I hope they can find a way to keep him beyond this season. I don't know if they can, but – uh, he he looks really really solid. Which Chiefs player was a disappointment during the first half of the season? I, mean, I hate to throw anyone under the bus or anything like that. I was I, I was hoping um, I was hoping to be more impressed uh, with the safety group than I have been. I mean, there have been a few like flashy plays from Justin Reed, you know, coming up and making a tackle here and there. I, I think. Um, the Chiefs st- still really lack like that true center fielder at the safety position. Um, Brian Cook, second round pick, he's been kind of uh, you know off and on uh, type of type of player. He's still coming along as a rookie. Um, Deion Bush, a few plays here and there as well. 
there's just been not that like one big flashy play to me from from the safety position where you're like, wow, this is like this is a stellar group. So I think I, I would say that like that entire group, they, they've got some work to do. And then offensively, I think the only reasonable answer is the entire running back room, too. Right. Um, everyone was kind of expecting the run game to be a bigger emphasis this season. The offensive line, their blocking has been you know, pretty good. But, um, you know, that, that kind of flipped the script there. Blocking wasn't great, and then the running backs were, were kind of struggling. Um, Clyde Edwards-Lair, he, he, he does look like he has a little bit more burst, but um, there have just been a few moments where you just want a little bit, just a little bit more out of him than, than you get, and that's kind of disappointing. And then, you know, um, Isaiah Pacheco, there was a lot of hype coming into the season, and I, I'm not sure that he's necessarily lived up to all that hype uh, quite yet, but, you know, he got his first start last week. Let's see what he can do. And, you know, Jarek McKinnon, I think, you know, he's been, I, I don't think you, you can say he was a disappointment, but he's been what you expected him to be, which is, you know, their best pass protecting back and um, just, you know, generally a, a good, like, change of pace. Um, but nothing, like, too too crazy. He's not, you know, clearly not, like, running back one material as, you know, we kind of we kind of got a, a chance to see him in that role late last season, but um, you know, I, I think I think Chiefs fans are expecting more. They miss the days of the Jamal Charles and the Larry Johnson and the uh, Priest Holmes and having this like dominant running back who can be kind of that focal point for the offensive attack. And you know, they're like, if we had that with Patrick Mahomes, this team would be unbeatable, right? So. I think finding a solution at the running back position like that that has to be um, something that that this team looks at moving forward. Whether that's finding someone free agency um, next year, uh, which you know you never really want to pay a running back, but maybe that's the best option for this team, or maybe it's just continuing to do what they've been doing, which is you know buying low on some of these guys, late round picks, or you know guys who drop in the draft and. Um, finding someone who can be, you know, that explosive player for the offense uh, when when they need to get things going in the ground game. Any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, I mean, we've got plenty of stuff uh, recapping that the first half of the season, or I guess I should say the part of the season before the bye week, so to speak, because there's still, what, 10 games left, and we've played, what, uh, seven so um, we've got things like uh, rookie reviews, looking at like the first half of the season snap counts, our special teams review from Wes, of course. Obviously, we've got plenty of content on uh, both the team's trades ahead of Tuesday's deadline. Uh, some fun stuff from, from Travis Kelsey's appearance on the Manning cast. That was, uh, that was fun. And then, you know, we'll have a lot of uh, preview content coming up on the Titans over the next few days. Get a tough matchup uh, with Derrick Henry, who is coming off of an AFC Offensive Player of the Week win. So he's he's hitting his stride at the right time ahead of this matchup with Kansas City. So uh, make sure to check out the website. We appreciate y'all tuning in and, and reading as always. You know what we say now. Go Chiefs! Okay, so I, this is the first time we've really... I had a chance to talk since uh, uh, the 49er game, which seems like a long time ago. Um, but uh, I thought that was a, it was a good win for our football team against a good football team. I think 
we all had a chance to see the score from yesterday and how they played against the Rams. Um, you know, they obviously rebounded very well. Um, uh, again, you know, the, the first quarter, they, they kind of, um, you know, were up on us, I, I want to say 10-7, then we were able to kind of work our way back and end up having a good fourth quarter and, and went in the game. Uh, it was fairly balanced uh, pass and run. You know, it was a little bit more pass and run, but it was fairly well balanced. Uh, turnover battle, we, we ended up winning that. We, we had two turnovers, which obviously we don't want any, but um, they ended up having, having three of them. <laughs> so uh, all in all, I thought the offense uh, played well. I thought the defense played well. Um, special teams ended up, uh, you know, being a factor, and they played. They played well. So um, uh, the important area is the red zone. Uh, we we did a nice job in the red zone, um, and third down we we did a nice job there. So <clears throat> that ends up being important both sides of the ball. Anyways, with that, uh, time's yours. Let's go first to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey Andy, a um, couple questions about uh, Kadarius Tony. Uh, how does he? How do you see him fitting in here in terms of what you like to do, and in terms of uh, what else you have at wide receiver? Maybe does he give you something you don't have at wide receiver right now? And Brad, I'll have a second question as well. Yeah, so Adam, I I think that's a nice addition by Brett. Um, he is healthy right now, which is which is a good thing. Uh, look forward to getting him in in the mix somehow. Um, we're working through that. We we uh, uh, we're meeting as an offensive staff and going through those those things now. So um, we'll just see how it, how it sorts out here. We've we've uh, we've got one football and we got a few guys <laughs> that we like to get the ball to and and uh, and, and we'll just we'll see how he fits in. I'm, I'm not expecting him to uh, learn the whole offense in a day. Um, I think it'll be a gradual process going forward, even though he's a, he is a smart kid. So um, I'm sure he'll pick it up relatively fast. Okay. And I asked this next question, knowing um, that uh, two of your wide receivers had a hundred yards in your most recent game and a third one scored three touchdowns, but how do you feel about your wide receivers, what they've done so far as a group and what they might give you going forward? Yeah. You know, I'm the, the part I like, <clears throat> the best is uh, they've made improvement every week. They're getting on the same page with the quarterback every week and uh, a little bit better every week. And, and so I, I think, um, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing there. I, I like the strength in which uh, Juju's playing with the speed in which Marquez is playing. So, um, and then obviously um, with McColl, he's been doing, he's, been doing a lot of different things for us and, and doing them doing them well. Let's go next to Herbie Tiopi. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, All right, Herbie. Two questions here as well. Uh, the first one on Kadarius Tony. How much flexibility would do you think he'll give you also on special teams as a as a potential returner? And Brad, I'll have another one. Yeah. Again, um, he's had experience with that in college. He's actually very good in college. That. Um, not as much in the NFL as college, but we, we know he has that potential and, and uh, we'll just see where that goes, uh, Herbie, as we go forward here. Okay. And the second question, Coach, 
understanding that the phrase starter um, sometimes doesn't really mean that much depending on the position group. But like um, against the 49ers, Pacheco got the start. Um, how much of this is dictated by the opponent um, going forward? Yeah, so we have plays in for all three guys. And it's kind of what number's up first. And um, as far as that goes, I, I thought, listen, Herbie, I mean, I, I thought that that was a way of getting him more than 10 reps. <laughs> that we got him the last time. And the way it worked out, I knew that 25 would get enough reps. I knew one would get enough reps. And then I'm, I, I was trying to figure out a way. Uh, uh, EB and I sat down and hammered this. How can we, and Greg, how can we get him more than 10 reps in a game and and uh, and feel good about it? So uh, I think the way it worked out, everybody, it worked out well for all three of them uh, as, a, as going forward here. We'll, we'll just see, though. Um, but they, they all had certain plays that they, they were running. That was Chiefs head coach Andy Reid giving a breakdown on Monday during his weekly press conferences about the team following their win in San Francisco. Now let's go ahead and listen to Mike Vrabel, the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, ahead of this Sunday's game. Yeah, not even halfway through, though, Corey. Not even halfway through. Um, a lot more games, but this will be a huge challenge going on the road. Great environment um, at night, so but we'll we'll need everybody uh, that we possibly can get back and figure out a, get, figure out a way to keep them out of the end zone. What's all about the success of their offense? I mean, what, what do you mean star? I mean, it starts with the quarterback trying to figure out a way to, to limit his effectiveness, and, and how about some of their other weapons that you have to deal with? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with, obviously, Patrick and his ability to not only throw from in the pocket but improvise and, you know, the understanding he has with, with Kelsey and, and Hardman. It looks like Juju's starting to, to, to be a focal point, Scantling. And, you know, they play three backs that can all catch the ball and, you know, they put, they put a lot of pressure on you. Success against them. Has there been a common threat to, to what you've been able to do? I mean, we've probably taken care of the football. We've probably gotten some turnovers from, from them. Won the turnover battle. Um, you know, probably not giving up big plays. I think that's the thing that I can remember the last time we played them is we didn't give up a bunch of X plays, and you know, we were good in the red zone. Offensively, can you guys afford to be as one-dimensional as you had to be? Yesterday, going forward. We'll see. I know. Despite being one-dimensional in most ways, Derek had over 100 yards against the stacked box, 120 yards, something like that. It's the same box. Why you guys, the gurus, it's the same box we see every week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, that box isn't changing. Just so everybody knows. Like, you guys throw around the analytics or whatever you guys like. We, we can go talk ball. It's the same box. The safety's at 12 yards. Okay, whether they move or blitz, it's the same number of guys. But go ahead, ask your question. Oh, you're you answered. <laughs> there you go. And remind everybody to please follow us on Twitter at the Chiefs Wire for the latest updates. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next week.
just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.